0: Welcome to the Nole Family Podcast, a podcast dedicated to Novak Djokovic, tennis champion, philanthropist, uh, humanitarian, and all-around good guy and role model. And also to the Nole Family, the fans that support Novak on and off the court, share all of his accomplishments and exploits uh, through social media, and keep the other family informed. Uh, Today we come to you uh, just before the Wimbledon uh, championships. Certainly, the, the draw was just held today, and I haven't been on the podcast in a long time, so I want to catch up a little bit, but, uh, and, and welcome the Nile family back. I uh, just want to do a quick recap of Roland Garros, some of the key points and highlights. Uh, look ahead a little bit to Wimbledon. Uh, touch upon the year ahead and the, the calendar slam that's still out there, and the Golden Slam, of course, for Novak, potentially. And also, we'll touch upon the GOAT debate a little bit, but I don't want to get into that in too much detail, because that's a completely uh, whole another show in into itself. Looking back at Roland Garros, what a fantastic time for the Nole family. Um, obviously, this was one of the great runs of Novak's career. It will be a defining uh, stretch for Novak. It's, again, taking down his rival, Rafael Nadal, in his, his, the place where he has shined won 13 championships and making that run all the way to the final and to the championship. Uh, a few things I wanted to mention with regard to Roland Garros. I won't get into too much of the detail, point by point, and some of the strategy. I know that there are other podcasts and discussions that'll go into more detail about the tactical. But I did want to mention, first of all, that I thought it was a tremendous four-game run. I know folks, folks out in the tennis world are really focused on those last two matches, the win against Nadal, of course, in the semifinals, moving ahead to the comeback against Pass in the finals to win the championship. But I really think that four-game stretch was so impressive. Number one, coming back from two sets to love against Musetti, of course. But also that, that match against Berrettini, I really felt like You know, Mateo was playing at a very high level. And I think um, he's got a rocket of a forehand. He was serving very well. I think that match put a lot of pressure on Novak. And I think, you know, he let out the big roar after that match. It was one of the biggest displays of his emotion, you know, throughout the tournament. And people were wanting to sort of understand what was behind that. He gave some indication at the uh, post-match press conference. But I really think the, the strength of... Berrettini's serve really put Novak on edge. He had to be on top of his game the, the whole time and the service returned and really had a lot of pressure to hold his serve as well because he knew he wasn't going to get a lot of opportunities. And I think also once he let that third set slip away, I think he then it started running through his mind, you know, I've got to get out of this match quickly. I can't let this go to five because I've got potentially these two very difficult and grueling matches ahead in the semifinals and finals. So I think the pressure was really on Novak to wrap that thing up. He was able to get out in four sets. But I think he knew what the implications of what that you know long, drawn-out match against Berrettini could have been even had he got through in five sets. So I think there was a lot of pressure in a lot of different dimensions to that match. And I think Novak really felt a sense of relief when he got through that one. So I, I just thought that the whole four matches in that last week of Roland Garros was so impressive in terms of what Novak had accomplished here. Um, looking at the Nadal match, just briefly, first of all, um, it, a lot of it has been made of the fact that even though Nadal got up a 5-0 lead in the first set, you know, Novak did a good job of using the, the, the latter part of that set to really get his feet back into the match a little bit. Now That was certainly key. If you look at, number one, he, he won the three consecutive games to get it to 5-3. And even on the closeout game, when it was 5-3 Nadal serving, Nadal got up 40-love, but Novak was able to get it back to Deuce before you know Nadal finally won that set. So it really robbed Rafael Nadal of the sense of really dominance in that first set. If he wins that first set 6-0 or even 6-1, he feels like he's still got the upper hand. And, you know, especially building on the confidence of last year's final at Roland Garros. And there were some other elements to that match. But um, I think Nadal, by by only winning at 6-3 and really struggling in that last game to close it out, I think it gave Novak some momentum. But I think even more than those last three games, look at the first two games of the second set and how dominant uh, Novak was. I think if you look at those first two games, he won his one service game at Love, and he also won the the dog game with the first break uh, at 15. So he won eight out of the first nine points of that second set. Very dominant. He was gaining court position, winning that real estate battle of getting inside the baseline and pushing Nadal back. So again, at that point, winning the first two games of that set, he had now won five of the last six games. And I think he could really feel the tide start to turn. I think Nadal had some, you know, maybe some confidence issues thinking, you know, look, I thought I had this guy and now he seems to be, you know, really starting to dominate this match. Now I know he Nadal, that that uh, Novak really slipped up and lost the next two games, got it back to two all and then was able to recapture a break and get ahead again. But I just thought that six-game stretch where Novak really won five out of six, including the first two games of the second set, was really pivotal and really key. Now, he had some touchy moments. He had to hold some break points in that set to, to close it out and get to, to one set apiece. But I felt like the, the tide really started to turn at that point. Um, the, the third set, you know, a lot has been made of it. I don't want to go through, again, the details. It, it was, it's perhaps the greatest set of tennis these two have ever played and many professionals, you know, past and present during that match were tweeting about how they felt like this was the highest level of clay court tennis they had ever seen. And, and, and that, that's a, it's certainly a testament to these two guys and how well they were playing in this match. Um, I think particularly, you know, Novak had a chance to you know, close this out with a service game. Uh, he was broken and had to hold that 5-6. And particularly that point on, I, you just can't say enough about the point, <laughs> when it was set point for Nadal, when Novak, after a long rally, it hits a very delicate backhanded drop shot just over the net that Nadal can't put back in play. To be able to hit that shot in that moment, the tension of that moment, I just think was extraordinary. There was so much riding on that point. And for Novak to get that point, to hold there, and to move this into a tie break where he was ultimately able to prevail was just tremendous I think you just can't say enough about the nerve and the mental fortitude that it takes, and the confidence it takes to try a delicate shot like that in such a big moment. Not just for this match, not just for this tournament, but in terms of the legacy and the goat debate and all those other things. What so much was on the line here, um, and it really raised a few things I wanted to go over about what you know Novak really did well in this in this tournament and things that he continues to improve upon in his game throughout his career. Number one, I thought. Um, he, he used the forehand to pull Nadal wide of the court to Nadal's two-handed backhand. And he also used his serve in the in the deuce court quite effectively to do that. And I think it really showed a, a little bit of a weakness in Nadal's game, but it was really strategic play. You could see Novak continually going back to that backhand of Nadal. And again, credit him for the service return for being able to, to get that ball on Nadal's backhand. It's something that not everybody is is good at doing because they just don't have the skills the tools to be able to hit those those returns of serve with such depth and target that backhand you know usually Nadal can run around those and hit the forehand so um again working on the backhand again Posse did the same thing as well was able to get him uh, kind of on his heels hit those those balls deep to his backhand where he couldn't really be as aggressive with them later in the match I thought particularly as well with Novak he hit the ball corner to corner there were so many rallies in these last two matches where it looked like he was on the defensive in one corner. And he did this on both forehand and backhands. He looked like he was reaching, uh, going back in a defensive posture, and was able to rip balls cross court, corner to corner. He did it on several big occasions on forehand and backhand, and really went from being in a defensive position to putting the opponent in the defensive position. Because again, when the opponent thinks they've got you backing up, they they, they lose their guard, drop their guard a little bit. And Novak was able to rip balls cross court, corner to corner, and put them on the defensive and maybe catch them off guard and un, unexpected. So, um, and and the, the third thing I want to mention is, you know, so much of Novak's game tends to be just much more reliable than his opponents. The two-handed backhand, while not as spectacular sometimes as the one-hander, um, just tends to be more reliable in the critical moments. Yes, the big... One-handed backhand a lot of times is tremendous. It, it, you guys can put pace and hit big winners, but point after point, shot after shot, Novak's backhand is just more consistent and more replicatable in big moments and fewer unforced errors when the chips are on the line. So I thought he was just so so great in the big moments. And certainly uh, and moving to that fourth set, Of course, again, Novak maybe a little bit of a lapse falls down 0-2, but again, the dominance in those next three games. If you watch the next three games when he won in the fourth set, when he won from 0-2 to 3-2 and then ultimately to 6-3, um, just so dominant. Um, I think he won. He won the first service game, I think, at love, and then you know the the, the break game at 15. I think. I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he won 12 out of the first 13 or 14 points after that 0-2 start um, in the fourth set. So he was completely dominant, and I think the punctuation mark really was. You know, in that game when he had the break point at at four um, two, he was able to hit that that, drop, that backhanded drop shot cross court, um, just a tremendous point, caught Nadal off guard and punctuated that, that game and that break point to get it to five two. And really, I think that point just kind of took the heart out of Nadal. He gave he, you know, he gave in, I think, very quickly on the the final game when it went to six from five two to six two, the final break of the of the match and and ultimately the end of the match. So. Kudos to Novak, again, a great relief to get past Nadal. Now, certainly it would have been bittersweet for Novak to win this match, but to lose in the final and not being able to capitalize on that championship. So it was incumbent upon him to come back against and and to finish this thing out, to be able, not only just, you know, the all-time Grand Slam, Grand Slam race, but also to make this win against Nadal more meaningful. Uh, again, since it I thought Novak played pretty well in the first set. I thought it was a good first set. It was kind of a strange ending, of course. Though Novak, you know, lets this thing slip to a tiebreak. He's kind of disgruntled about it with some things with the referee um, about the time, you know, element uh, between serves and such. Um, he falls behind four zero in the tiebreak, but then wins six out of the next seven points, you know, and gets the upper hand, or I guess five out of six out of the next seven points, I think. And then, um, but he lets it slip away. Um, He's up 6-5, and, you know, said had a, made a great point at 6-5 when it was set point for Novak. Uh, hits a big winner down the line. But, um, you know, and then I think Novak fell into a little bit of a funk. Maybe the, you know, the after effects of that Nadal grinding match and in, in, in the semifinals finally caught up with him in set two. Loses that one pretty handily. But obviously the, the beginning of the third set was critical. And, of course, that big game at 2-1 when Novak finally breaks through and gets up a break because I think once he got up a break in the third, I think he knew that he could dig in, get back into this match. Um, and again, and at 2-1 game, it was a long game. Novak had four break points that, that Tsitsipas was able to save. But again, and then from that, Pas got a game point. He was able to turn it to advantage Sitsipas. But then on the fifth, um, the fifth break point, Novak finally converts, a big conversion there. And so uh, once Novak got that, you know, that nose ahead, so to speak, and got up 3-1, I think the confidence started to come back. And I think Sitsipas at that point, knew that Novak had the confidence to be able to come back. So it kind of put Sitsipass back on his heels a little bit. And maybe the, you know, the excitement of the beginning of that match, when he came out there with all that adrenaline started to wear off at Sitsipas, and maybe he started to press a little bit. He also mentioned that Novak was just able to, to start anticipating much better after that, that second set, when he, you know, he took a little bit of a break. And that's something I want to mention as well. So, Novak, if you watch these points over and over again, these two matches especially, Novak's anticipation of his opponent's shot was so sharp. Um, there were so many spots where you, you thought Novak because he maybe came in for a short ball and didn't put it away, and you felt like he was vulnerable to an open court. But he did such a good job of anticipating what his opponent was going to do, getting back into that position, moving back into the court. His, his movement was tremendous, especially toward the latter part of, parts of these two matches. So, um, again, the anticipation was so good. Um, and, and Novak really seemed to have a, have a confidence on clay this time around, um, that he really felt like he was moving well. Of course, playing the Belgrade uh, tournament, which a lot of folks were skeptical of, um, really seemed to lead into this tournament well. A lot of guys like to skip that you know, the lead in when it's that close to a major championship and just get to the venue early and start to practice there. But Novak, it gave him some good positive vibes, as he said, and positive energy going into this tournament. It seems to work for him. Um, the fifth set, of course, uh, the, Novak gets the break point at 1-1. Um, it was advantage Sitsipas, and Novak wins you three straight points there to, to close that game out and get a nose ahead. Now, I was surprised that when the match was over to hear that Novak didn't have face any break points in, in sets three, four, or five in the last three sets. Because it seemed like there were some tense moments, and you saw that in the closeout game at 5-4 in the fifth set. You know, Novak had some close, it was some close back and forth there. He was up 15-love, then 15-all, then 30-15, 30-all, 30 and even got it to deuce before he was able to close it out. So there were some tense moments, but again, Novak's serve, it's not a rocket, it's not 140 miles an hour. But it seems to be so reliable, and it was so strong in the latter parts of that match, especially when he needed big points. When it felt like Sitsipasa got his teeth into it, got it to thirty all, forty all on Novak's serve in that fifth fifth set. Novak was able to come up with big serves at big moments. Um, there was a big, there was a big ace in the tiebreaker against Nadal in that semifinal. So again, he just seems to be having so much confidence in his serve um, in big spots. So. Uh, a great win for Novak and one of the most satisfying, as he's mentioned, gratifying um, you know, runs of his career to beat Nadal on Roland Garros, to win this, to win in clay, to get that second round of uh, Grand Slams and having won all Grand Slams twice, something nobody else has done in the Open era. Um, so there's so many things that he accomplished. now. Looking ahead to Wimbledon, it's going to be tough. Obviously, it's a short turnaround for Novak. Obviously, Nadal is out, so he moves and looks ahead to perhaps the U.S. Open. Um, Federer will play. It's kind of hard to understand where Federer's game will be given the fact he's played so little tennis since the semis of Australia in 2020. And he's a little bit shaky in his most recent outing, losing to Felix uh, of Canada. But um, it, it really sets up well for Novak. You know, I thought going into the French Open... Um, that Wimbledon was really going to be kind of a crucial pivot point in the all-time Grand Slam race. Because let's say you would have conceded Nadal the French Open. That would have put Nadal at 21, Roger at 20, and Novak back, still back at 18. So I felt like he really had to win, you know, Wimbledon to set things up in the all-time race. He didn't want to let that one slip away. Um, now I think it gives him a little bit of a cushion. Let's say Novak goes to Wimbledon, even if he loses at Wimbledon, um, he's still going to be at 19, probably one, maybe two, if, if Roger would win. But he's still going to be within sh- close distance of that all time race, and he's going to have two hard you know, Grand Slams coming up in the U.S. Open or Australia, where he can still catch these guys. So I think it it puts a lot less pressure on Novak to hold at Wimbledon. Now that you know, not only has um, not only has uh, Nadal not won Roland Garros and got to twenty one, but Novak has gotten his nineteenth at a place where he, a lot of people didn't expect that to happen. So I think it really sets himself up for Wimbledon. Well, uh, it's going to be tough with the turnaround. though. I'll say this: I don't think it's going to be as emotionally taxing as the twenty sixteen win that that uh, Novak had at Roland Garros because I think there was so much pressure on there to finally get that first French Open. And I think you know the 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 quest for him to come back from the twenty fifteen disappointing loss to stand and go a full year and come back to, to the French Open a year later and finally get that championship. I think that that whole process just really wore on Novak and again the injury issues started to creep up at that point too. So I think Novak will be in a much better position this time around, not to have as much stress, to be relaxed and to perform well at Wimbledon. I think he's got a much greater shot at the calendar slam this year than he had in 2016 when there was so much so much other peripheral stuff going on. So kudos to him. The all-time, the GOAT debate, it's, it's getting to be almost a foregone conclusion that Novak's going to overtake these guys eventually, and he's got all the other records, so once the, the Grand Slam record falls, and it seems almost inevitable at this point, I think there's little debate when it comes to the GOAT, the greatest of all time. I think it's you're starting to get a sense that Roger's days may be limited, and maybe the injury issues and the health issues are starting to catch up to Nadal, so the, the odds are certainly stacked in Novak's favor in a lot of regards, but... Um, Looking to the year ahead, Novak has already announced that he's going to play at Olympics. It's of course, that's very, a, a very meaningful uh, event for him. He really wants to add that to his resume. You can see the disappointment when he lost to Del Potro back in 2016, how much that means to him. So um, so look forward to the rest of the year. It's going to be a great, a great, great Wimbledon and a great, great rest of the year. Certainly wishing Novak all the best and an accomplishment that would be unmatched. And I think the one thing reason I really hope that he... Is able to get to the calendar slam. I really think this would give him a lot of notoriety outside of the world of tennis. You know, especially in the United States, there's so few f- folks paying attention to men's tennis because there are no great U- U.S. players out there right now really competing at the highest level and you know um, really uh, competing for grand slams and so on. But I think if you win the calendar slam, that's going to get him so much recognition even outside the tennis world, and certainly would would spark that greatest of all time debate as well. So. Um, again, thanks to all the Nole family for rooting on and f- sharing all the information. It's great to see all you folks um, you know, sharing information and, and making it easier to find out what's going on with No Bag practices, with the events, uh, what's happening with the draw, what's happening with the, with, the, with, the, uh, with the matches. Everything is great and such positive vibes across the Nole family, so appreciate that. Um, if you have any additional comments, we'll, be, we'll try to get a podcast up again once we get into Wimbledon and beyond. Certainly, is a lot to happen this year. Looks to be a good year though with a lot of things on the line and a lot of a lot of success for Novak. So, uh, thanks again for listening. All um, love to all of you guys for it's it's you know for those who stuck with Novak through some of the tough times when he's really especially back in the 2007 through 2010 time frame when he was really trying to break through and and sort of crash that party of the two man you know monopoly on at the top of men's tennis with Nadal and Federer. These are certainly gratifying times, and your, 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 um, your dedication to Novak has been rewarded. So uh, good luck to Novak at Wimbledon. We'll be talking again with all the Nole family as this goes on. Have a great day.